0: <laughs> Good morning, everybody online. I was thinking about what Jen said this weekend um, about uh, and, uh, Luke 5, uh, 37 and 38. And it says, And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottle, bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. And I have a bottle up here. Well, two, one, two, really. And the top is going to represent my thought, your thought, everybody's thought. This one down here is the word of God. And watch what happens when you shake this. It's going to separate because it doesn't mix. So if my thought is not the thought of God, it's not going to mix with the thought of God. See, it's already separating, going back to the way it was. If that's my thought, and it doesn't mix with God, so that must mean I have to get the thought of God. So this is representing the thought of God. All of that water is word. And, and if you go in the Bible, you'll find out that the, the word is water. It drops like rain. And the second part in 38, it says, but new wine must be put into new bottles and both are preserved. So we want to be preserved in the word of God, not in my thought, because you can't be preserved in your thought. Also, I had to write this down, Ernest. Where'd you go? <laughs> I had to write this down. In Isaiah 55 and 8, it says, for my thought is not your thought, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. So if my thought is not God's thought, then I have to get the thought of God to be a part of God, as Dan was saying this morning. And then in Isaiah 55:11, 11, let me go to that right quick. And this is what will happen if we do it right by the word of God. So it says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper In the things where to I sent it. So then this is the one you want to put your hope in right here, the full word of God. And that's what we want to uh, live by, the total word of God, not my thought, uh, but God's thought. And if we do that, it'll get us all the way back to heaven, all the way. And that was my thought. (laughs) We'll give it over to PK now.
1: Very good. I appreciate her saying a, a few words before we get up here. Um, very important thought to have your mind set to receive the word of God. Not We receive a lot of things. You know that? Man, do we receive thoughts in our minds. Uh, some of them we don't want to receive, and yet we still receive it. Isn't that true? Uh, Have you ever tried to debate with yourself in a way? I don't want to think that. I don't want to have that. You know what I mean? And and yet it still enters into you. You see how that works? If we're talking about the human experience and about everything that happens with us, there are times that things like that are going to happen. But here's the thing that you're going to start finding out when you have those things going on is that the more you learn about Jesus, the more that. That thing that made its way in anyway is not going to be able to make its way in. You'll start seeing changes to where he said there was a time that I would allow that, you know, and it would come in. Now, don't take this as a physical thing. Take this as learning more about Jesus. And it gets to the point where you really are dependent on him. You really do believe in him. And he helps you through that love you have for him and through your obedience to help you to stop that thing. From entering in and having free reign now that there's two sides to this coin here we've been talking about this late lately is that God is allowed I don't know how many read Dan's last blog was that good why does God allow the the devil to get at you you know did you read that that is very powerful so what if I told you that everything that God made is uh is going to serve him even though it may be evil Everything that he created, everything that he made, has to serve God. You see how that works? Claudette's thing up here was about where your thought is, as opposed to the thought of God. Uh, She had the oil and water here. The oil and water don't mix. They mix for a short while, and then what do they do? They separate. You see how that works? Good illustration. But one of the things that's important is for us to understand, our thoughts work that way all the time we when israel came out of egypt was there a mixed multitude that was with them yeah did that mixed multitude cause them problems yes it did now think about it this way coming out and having mixed thought trying to serve god and still having the thought of of sin just being rampant in your mind and god knows that we can't do it that way you know we don't even feel good when we try to do it that way do we what has to happen is it has to be a clear separation. Can you do it? If you could, we, what do we need God for? We can just separate everything, put away stuff that's, and then go about our business, right? Just serve God and that would be the end of it. But that's the problem. We're not recognizing that this spiritual warfare that we have is, it's a powerful thing. And how you look at it Makes all the difference in the world. Okay, so you've heard this said, and I'm gonna repeat it because rehearsal is good for us. To repeat things are good. To bring to remembrance is good. Here's the thing: you you say to yourself sometimes, "I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna battle that devil. I'm gonna get that devil. When I'm so tired of what he does and all these these things. We're, I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna fight with him." Well, that's not good. You know why? Because it's all the I. I'm going to do this. You know, you're doing this through yourself. You're making up a thing in your mind saying, well, I'm going to. I'm tired of what it does to me, but you're still saying I. Think about what I'm saying. You're still saying I. I'm going to fight this. I'm tired of what it's doing to me. I'm tired of this and that, but it's still the I. You cannot enter into any type of spiritual warfare uh, thinking you're going to do it with the I. It has to be the we. It has to be the us. What did Jesus say in the 17th chapter of St. John? He said, I am my father. We're one. That's John 10 and 30. But when he says 17, he's doing the prayer for us. He's saying, I am my father. Or, or, we're going to be in that person that believes. Isn't that true? So he so said, I am my father, both. We're going to come in. Another place he says, I am my father. Come in and sup with them. Doesn't he say that? All kinds of things. But he's always talking about the power of, Of the witness of the father, the witness of Jesus himself, you and him entering into something, the witness that Jesus is with you. Very important for you to understand that that Jesus is not wasting his time. Never has wasted his time. Everything he does, he does for a purpose. All purposes that are in God are going to come to pass. Anything that God says he purposed to do is going to happen. Now, the timing on that, how it's going to happen, the progression, all of that, some of us are kind of hard-headed, aren't we? It may take us a whole lifetime just to learn one thing about God because that's how hard our hearts have been. That's how disobedient we may have been. We've never obeyed to the point where we gave everything. You see what I mean? The very first thing that that the commandment thing that uh, Jesus gives is this. Said, so "Love the Lord thy God with the whole heart, soul, mind, and strength." Right? Well, gosh, that doesn't leave much of anything else for anything else. But the reality of that is: Do we do that? Is the, it, are all of what we have, what we are, what we becoming, what we are doing right now, is that all been given to God? You know, you have everybody answers that for themselves. But there is a progression, a place that you come to where everything is given, all is given. Uh, The reason I say that, if Paul could say that, we can say it. What was Dan saying this morning? All those things, those those people in the story of God, are they in you? Can you do like those same people did? Does God give you the same measure that he can give them to be able to perform those things? So it's a matter of your mind believing whether or not you can or whether or not you can enter into those things. Now, we're not talking about all of a sudden instantaneously you're going to be a prophet or you're going to do this or you're going to do that. No, it's a progression of loving God and entering into the realm where he says, hey, come on in, my son. Come on. You're part of the family. We're going to work together. We're going to be one. And we're going to be one together in everything that we do. This We've come to the full stature, as it says, in that fourth chapter of Ephesians. So that full stature is us understanding what Christ really is in us. We we say the name. We talk about jesus we say christ is this christ is that we know he's the messiah but the full stature is the growth that you have where you come to the point we say, man now i understand what jesus is all about i understand the revelation of jesus i understand what he's been trying to do this whole time in me in my world you come to that place and then you say gosh you know what you find out you find out gosh i guess the biggest hindrance was me isn't that true you say it, you say, you say why, why didn't I, why didn't I yield to that? Why didn't I do that when I was told to do that? Or when it was preached to me or when I understood? What, what was so, so hard for me to accomplish that? i tell you what's hard. i tell you what's hard. Transgression. Isn't it say that? And what makes it hard? There's another scripture in the Bible talks about hard sayings, talking about parables and so forth. Well, your parable can be good or bad, right? Sometimes it can be a hard parable for you to learn. You know, that's why we speak to you in parables and say, well, I don't quite understand that. You will. You're going to come to the point where you're going to understand these things that become harder for you. What does the scripture say about what Jesus said? to us? He's take my yoke upon you and learn of me. My yoke is. And my burden is light. And, and I'm just going to say this openly. Sometimes we call Jesus a liar because we say, Lord, this is so hard for me. This is so hard. I can't do it. it it's so hard that I, I don't even want to attempt to do it in some cases. You're, you're, the fear of it or the, the toughness of it, or maybe you're looking at the walled cities in the mountains and it's too big. It's too big of a, a thing to do to try to conquer. You understand what I'm saying? You're seeing how the enemy's strength is is made manifest in some way. And you say, there is no way I can overcome that. Well, inner truth, you're, you're right. You can't. By yourself, you cannot. But with Christ, you can do it. Uh, the thing that I, one of my favorite, I, I've said this before, because I hope this is what happens with me. And, it, and I, I use the term hope on purpose. The hope that I have is that I can be, of course we want to be like Jesus. But there's a character that I identify with, Caleb, and I identify with him because when he was 85 years old, he went to Joshua and he said, Moses promised me uh, this land, a particular land and these mountains here for, for uh, posterity for me and my family. And he said, now that, that we've whipped all these kings, because Joshua whipped a lot of kings, I think like 25, 26, and took their kingdoms from whatever. And uh, but he said now and Joshua brought the peace into the land. And then he he told him, so, OK, I've been fighting. I've been doing this all this time. And I still remember what Moses promised me. And so now that you're the leader. Let me have what Moses promised to me. And Joshua looked at him. Of course, they knew each other real well. Weren't those the only two men that came back with a positive report? The only two, remember? And so they knew each other quite well. Their spirit was different than all the other spirits of those that were in Israel. So and Joshua looked at him, said, yeah, my friend, you know, you and I, we, we were the ones that came back with the good report. And I remember what Moses said, be it unto you. Go take that land. That's your land. Now, it wasn't just given like there was nothing you had to do. He had to go fight for it. But he was willing to do that. And he he told Joshua, he say, give me this mountain. He's 85 years old. He says, give me this mountain. And then he makes a statement, he says, the strength that I have, and he wasn't talking about his natural strength, he's talking about that spirit that was different that him and Joshua had. He said, the strength that I had back in that day when I was a spy is the same strength I have right now, the fortitude in hope, in faith in God, I'm, I'm adding, I'm telling you what he's talking about. And he says, and I still have it, so give me this mountain and him and his family they took that mountain. And guess who lived in those mountains? Anak, Anak were the giants. Uh-huh. He had a tough, the, the cities that they built in those mountains, thick-walled cities, not like the ones that were down in the plain, you know, stuff like that. So he knew he had a tough battle. But you know what he said in his mind? God's going to help me to overcome. Oh, this is going to be my mountain. I'm going to do it. And at 85 years of age, he conquered it. He did it. Him and his family inherited that land. And you know what? It's one of the most famous places that you read about in the scriptures. Have you ever heard of the term Hebron, H-E-B-R-O-N, the land of Hebron? David, King David, did a lot of work in Hebron, a lot of some of the things that during the time of his kingdom. Go read about how famous Hebron is. But it was all conquered and settled and brought to place by Caleb. And so later on down the line, King David uses that place a lot. Let me tell you how he does it one place. He's king over Hebron. You remember when the kingdom was split and his son was against him and all these other kind of things. Seven tribes that he spent seven years, not seven tribes, seven years in Hebron being the king. But he wasn't king over all of Israel yet. And then later on, they... When he conquered everything, Saul was dead. All the nations around him, he's conquered all this stuff. Then he spends 33 years being king also. So a total of 40 years of being king. But his first seven years of being king was in Hebron. And that's the same place that Caleb had. You see how this is? It's important that some of the zeal and the things that God puts in his people serves a purpose in prophecy. That's what I've been talking to you about, your zeal for God. You don't know what part you're playing in prophecy. Remember I said everybody has their place? Everybody has their place. Our young people have their place. Everybody has their place. Just because it hasn't come to pass yet doesn't mean that we don't have the place. The place has been put there in prophecy. God has done everything he said he was going to do with us as believers. So does that mean our generations are going to be blessed? That's what I mean about being put in the place of prophecy. So we may not see those things now. We say, ah, my son, my daughter, they don't care anything much about the Lord. Ah, 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 ah. Don't speak the negative. Speak the positive. Are they your generation? Do they belong to you? Are you a believer? You see how this works? Let's start praying for that. Let's start praying for the things that God said he was going to do. So this thing that, that I'm talking about, about things God's setting things up, I'm going to go to an old story. I'm, not even gonna, I'm just going to relate a little bit of it because you all know the story already. It's, it's David and Goliath, the whole thing. But there's a couple of things I want to point out. Uh, one of the things that, that's so important that we don't even think anything about, you know, when David came in, he was taking the, uh, his dad's, hey, take this, these supplies to your brothers that are fighting in the battle, you know, against the Philistines. And he had been out watching the sheep. And so he said, okay, take, it. he's the youngest one. He goes, okay, go ahead, take it out there. And he takes it to him. And when he see, go, comes out there, he sees Israel quaking and quivering because of this huge giant that's put a challenge out. He said, you bring any one of your men to fight me. And, and if they win, we, we'll, we'll go, we'll leave you alone. If I win, then you become our servants. You know that—that's what the whole thing was. And he saw all the men of Israel standing there, in fear. All of them standing there in fear, and he—he he said, well, "What is going on here?" His own brothers told him. He, he said, "Why are you guys doing this? Well, who's going to be the champion to go out there?" He's asking the question. Nobody wants the question asked. <laughs> They don't want to to put anybody on the spot. And King Saul, what what was one of the things that the people liked about King Saul? He was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was a big man. Now, he may not be as big as Goliath, but that was one of the reasons they liked him. He stood head and shoulders above everybody else. He was a big man. He was a tall man. But even he didn't say he was going to go out there and fight Goliath. And he's the king. So he's looking for a champion among them. And there's none. Till this little small youth, ruddy youth, shows up. And when he hears what Goliath is saying, it infuriates him. He gets upset. And his own brothers, he, he's talking. He said, wait a minute. How come you're letting this guy talk like this? And why are you doing this? And his own brothers, said, ah, be quiet. You're always talking about things that you don't know nothing about. You know how brothers will act toward brothers. And he didn't pay attention to them. And he went and told Saul. He said, I'll, I'll be the champ. I'll go out there. I'll do it. I will face Goliath. He says, ah, you're but a youth. This guy has been fighting since his youth. He has a lot more on you. They're telling him all the reasons why not. He says, I I, I know that. He said, no, look, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to face him. Well, he said, well, if you are going to go out there, take my armor with you. He tried it. He said, I can't prove this armor because it's too big. Took it all off. Went on out there. And, and this is the thing that, that, a lot of people overlook Goliath told him he said I'm gonna flay you out and I'm gonna let the birds of the air and the beasts of the land consume you he said why are they sending somebody like this against me you know and so he said this is going to be a short work basically and he said that's what I'm going to do to you Now, what people don't know is David turns right around and says this to him: said, you uncircumcised Philistine, what makes you think you can stand against the armies of the living God of Israel? He says, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. He said, when I get done with you, the the birds of the fowls of the air, they're going to be eating your flesh and the beasts of the land. They're going to be eating you. It's not going to be what you said toward me. It's going to happen to you. And then he added, he said, and I'm going to take your head off too. This kid, see, this is what I'm saying. And, and so he makes the statement. And so they start, Goliath has a, a, a shield bearer. His shield is so big it takes a, another man to carry a shield <laughs> for him to go forward. So this guy's carrying his shield and Goliath is walking behind him. His sword was so big, it was like a beam. And so he's carrying his sword and this guy's carrying his shield. This is showing you how big this guy is. Someone else to carry a shield for him just to take it out there because it was so much. So it, the whole deal, and David sees all of this. and <laughs> He, he said, i am take my staff. I don't know if you know very much. Remember when the 23rd Psalm, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He took a staff with him. He's a shepherd. And he takes his sling and he takes his pouch and he puts five stones in that, that pouch. Now, I tell people this. You don't have to believe this. Some people say, well, he took five stones because it spelled Jesus' five-letter word, J-E-S-U-S. Yeah, that could be. But more than likely, the scripture tells us later on down in scripture, that Goliath had four brothers and all of them were as big as he was. He was the champion one. So he took enough so he could take care of all of them in case they all came out. That's the type of mind David had. So these, these, Goliath was only one of five brothers like that. And so if if somehow Goliath, you know, didn't make it through, there were going to be four more and David prepared for them. This shows you what type of mind David had and why. Because he communed with the Lord. Isn't this good? He said, he didn't say I'm coming to you in the name of David. Did he say that? I come to you in the name of the God, the living God of the armies of Israel. That's who I'm coming to you in, in that name. So he wasn't going by himself. He believed in God. And that's what we have to do, guys. These type of things that happen to us, they are giants to us. Things that happen at these these spirits that come against us. What what did Rick tell us? What did he tell us? Is it Matthew 10? I give you power over all unclean spirits. He didn't say they had to be little or small. They are big. They may be huge. But he says I give you power over them over all unclean spirits. Oh, unclean spirits can be great in number or small in number. Think of Legion for the man of the Gadarenes. They can be a lot of them. Sometimes they can be huge. They can be something. Think of the Goliath coming again because we're talking spiritual things here. We're talking about spiritual things in the mind. Remember when Jesus said, you have faith as a grain of a mustard. So you can tell this mountain be thou removed, and be cast in the sea. He meant what he said. All of those things that happen in our world, in our thoughts, there are mountains there that, oh my God, they seem almost insurmountable, like we can't climb them. Isn't that true? Or we all have a lot of mountains in us. I can't do this. I can't do that. That mountain is just too big. But Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain, be thou removed and cast it into the sea. Not only uproot it, but throw it into the sea by a grain of a mustard seed, if you have that faith. So does that show us where we have to walk? What sort of things we have to do? Now, I'm going to go back to the David thing. Have you ever heard that, that uh, expression, the battle is the Lord's? You go back and read, I think it's 1 Samuel, I can't remember the, the chapter where all this happens. But that verse 17, that's where the verse is. Because this is David saying, you know what? I understand that the battle is the Lord's. Very famous scripture. The battle belongs to God. And so think about this. Somebody mentioned this the other day. What about the, the armor of the Lord? Doesn't it say that we have an armor? Is it in Ephesians? I think it is. But it says we have the armor of the Lord. So it starts breaking down things, doesn't it? It says the helmet of salvation. Why? Because that's where we think all of these aspects of this armor are aspects of the spirit. They're of Christ. So he talks about the helmet of salvation. Isn't that where we think? Isn't this where our thoughts are? So they have to be protected, don't they? And then he talks about the shield of faith, Doesn't the shield that he has shield of faith. Wow. So we have to have faith to walk on this journey. Now, these are all aspects of what God is saying that happens with the spirit. So the shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness. Wow. So do we need righteousness? Isn't righteousness and holiness part of the new man? It says in the fourth chapter of Ephesians, it's part of the new man, isn't it? Who is the righteous one? Who is the righteous man? Isn't it Jesus? So the, the breastplate of righteousness. Then he talks about the loins girt about with truth. Who is the truth? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And why the loins? Because from the loins is where... The, the regeneration is going to take place. So what is he telling you? What is he telling you? I'm the truth that'll be regenerated over and over and over again to those that believe. So loins girt about with truth. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Wow. So do we need that gospel? Definitely. Are we willing to go where that gospel wants to take us? And I'm going to tell you this. All of you are going to be evangelists in your world. In your world, you have to travel. You have to travel to those great kingdoms. you got to go up those great mountains that are trying to stop you. You see where I'm going with this? You have to trod those paths. No matter what it is, you're going to walk in the dust of your earth, and you're going to continue to go from one place to another. When he sent them out two by two, what did he tell them? Don't even worry about taking any script or anything with you. Everything says if they receive you into your home, well, good. If they don't, you leave that home and you do what? Brush that dust off your feet and move on to the next place. Feet shod with the preparation of gospel. In the book of Acts, did they do that? Did they go everywhere they needed to go in order to promote Jesus? And look at the miracles and the signs that followed them. Very powerful, wasn't it? So they did the same thing. So it's, it, to me, when he talks about the battle being the Lord's, you up there are talking about how you're going to go against his spirit and you're going to battle it. I'm going to tell you this right now. You're not going to do nothing without Jesus. But this is what Jesus is doing right now. He is stirring up these things in us. The thing that Dan, the point he was trying to make on that last blog, is why does God even use devil? Why does he even allow the devil to be around? <laughs> without him, you would never know you could overcome. Without him, you wouldn't know that God is greater and that he will give you the power. Just like Jesus had the power, you'll have the power. Didn't Jesus say, I was manifested to destroy the works of the the devil? That's it. What do you think you're manifested for? You're manifested for the same exact thing. What makes you any lesser son of God than what he was? God's trying to make you a son so you can do the same thing he did. And you have to do it in your world. So you're going to overcome that devil by being the true son of God. By walking as a son of God. In other words, those that are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we have to be led by that spirit, don't we? And do we have to enter into that spirit? Yes, we do. And the only way to do that, God is going to show you some things. We have to perceive God. We have to perceive Jesus. I'll say he is God. Perceive Jesus a certain way. So. He prepared us with all of these things, you know, helmet, salvation, breastplate, of righteousness, all those things. But that's in a progression on how to learn how to use them, isn't it? Every one of those things have to be shaped in us and brought to a place where we experience it and we know it for ourselves. Wisdom and understanding of the helmet of salvation is going to help you to guide your thoughts. This is how it's going to work. In other words, he gives you his thought, but then in turn, you have to learn how to put away your thought. She said it was oil and water, didn't it? You got to put it away. You got to separate yourself from it. See how that works? Every aspect that he gave you that, that defensive thing for. Actually, it's not defensive. It's offensive. All the armor is offensive. It's for things to protect you as you go into battle. Now, God doesn't need the battle. But it says the battle is the Lord's, huh? So you have to have him in you to be equipped to go against those spirits because it's his battle. He fought it for David against Goliath. and, And it actually says that. You go back, we skip over these things. but he said the battle is the Lord. David speaks this and says, I know the battle is the Lord's. And he also tells of some experiences he had. Lion came to get the sheep. I slew the lion. Bear came to get the sheep. I slew the bear. And I'm going to slay this Philistine the same way. That's what he told <laughs> That's cool because God brought him through the experience. Now, in one place, he says, I grabbed the beard of that lion and I slew him. Grabbed him by his beard and slew him. This is powerful, this little kid, little ruddy youth. But he's a big man in God, isn't he? Huge man in God. The greatest king that Israel ever had. Isn't it powerful for you to understand that this is what God will do for you. If he did it for those back in the Old Testament in an old covenant, what do you think he'll do in a new covenant with you? <laughs> the old covenant didn't have what we have. He said he had to get rid of the first one in order to bring in the second one. This covenant we have now, that's written in our hearts. It's not on tablets of stone. And the Spirit of God takes up his abiding place in us. Whew. The Spirit would move on them at times for them to do these things by their faith. But now it resides in us. It tells us in John two twenty-seven, it's right here. It's right here, isn't it? It abides in you. So that's where the anointing is at, isn't it? So if it's there, do we need to utilize it? God already gave us what we need. Do we need to utilize it? So what are we still getting so entangled with things of the world with you know what i mean think about this we can't agree on things we can't do things right we're hindered we we have things we're tripping we're stumbling stumbling blocks in our life all of these things they're hindrances to serving god the way you should because the spirit of the world has entered into thought think about what i just said so since the spirit of the world has entered into thought more stumbling blocks more things where you can't get agreement, more things going bad, more things going wrong, if that's true in your life, then you know what you have to do? You have to make a decision. You have to make a choice. You have to make a choice, don't you, Jacob? Choices have to be made. Mom, we made a choice, didn't we? Was it easy all the time? In fact, it was very hard the choices that we made. We had to make some choices for some things that cost us some things. But I'm telling you right now that that's all part of the journey. Paul said it this way. He said, the things that it cost me, he says, he says things that I thought were gained. Remember when he says that? All the things he thought. Now, what was he talking about? Was he not talking about all the things he had gained in the flesh? All that stuff, all the positions he had. All the things that he did, the authority that he had, all these things, how people knew him, how he knew the law, who he was, what tribe he came from. He named all those things in the flesh. He said, those were gained to me in the flesh. He said, but when I came to Christ, guess what happened? They became dung. That's where you make your choice. So yeah, you have great gains and things you can do. There's some of us here in this world, we're doing pretty good. God's blessed us. I'll put it that way. We keep saying we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. No, you don't. Without the strength of God, you'd never be able to do anything. Not one thing. In him, we live and move and have our being. People forget that scripture. And that's how we're able to do things. But this is the thing that's important. Since God is doing all of this, he's upholding everything by the word of his power. Should we not take part of that power so we can be upheld in his sight? Ah, that's what God wants. We just have to make decisions now. We have to make choices. I I love what Dan said this morning. We're all part. We are part of the story. We are God's people. So (laughs) you have to make the choice to be that and to walk that way. Who are you? I'm a son of God. I I don't care if they ask me out there. I'm still going to say the same thing. I'm a son of God. What? What? You think you're a son of God? Yes. I don't think I know. Let me give me a few minutes. I'll tell you how I know. I was talking to my neighbor the other day in back of us, and I told her what great things God had done for me. But not only that, that God was going to do great things for her, too. Her dad just died. And they're they're moving. They got to leave the house they just bought. Just, have they been there a year, over a year? Yeah, but but they just got that house and now the Marine Corps sending them to Quantico. They gotta sell their house. They gotta be there by the 19th of this month. (laughs) That girl's trying to get everything together, get everything packed and stuff. That's how the orders came through. And she has to be gone out of there and at that new place. But she was talking about the death of her dad and how things were going on like that. She started crying. I said, hey, I said, Cherie, stop. God is in control. He has everything in his hand. I told her about me losing my close friend. I also told her about my niece, Tawana, losing her son. I said, this is part of life. I said, but what God is doing is that this does not end everything. They enter into something new. They enter into another place. And whom God loves, whom you love, God loves. Isn't that how it works? She said, oh, that was so good. Thank you so much for telling me that. You know why we can tell her that? Because we've heard it. You know why we can tell her that? We've experienced it. People tell me, you don't know what it's like to lose somebody. I just look at them. Oh, yeah. I do. Well, you haven't been through this situation. Yeah, I have. You know why I've been through those situations? God was preparing me and my wife to be doing what we're doing right now. Exactly what we're doing right now the things that happen in our life, all those things that we considered so evil and so wicked and so bad was a training ground to present us as those that are going to follow the Lord now and become one with him. We've experienced those things and are yet experiencing some. But God did that to prepare us. We would not be what we are today if we hadn't gone through our training. And every one of the elders went through that. All of them did. But you know what? You guys will never have to do that because we're not going to treat you that way. We're going to treat you with love and bring you into the kingdom with love. But that's not how we were treated in our training. All the stuff the evil men did toward us. I'm going to say this. Joseph's story is my story. His brothers hated him. And they threw him into a pit. Uh, The guys that called themselves my brothers Hated me, too, and put me in a pit, a pit of hell through religion. Pit of hell, darkness, all of it. Death, hell, and the grave. So they weren't honest with us. They stabbed us in the back all the time. Sold into slavery. Slavery of sin. Slavery of religion. Rescued by God. Falsely accused. Potiphar's wife. Falsely accused in everything that we did. How many accusations, Ma, you think we went through? Hundreds probably about lies about us and our families. It was amazing the stuff that happened to us. Things that God allowed us to see. But I also think about what God did for me on the other side. So, yeah, that training was horrific. I, w- I wouldn't want to go through it again. But if I had to, God by my side, we've been through it once. Ma. we can do it again. But he trained us in that. But also during that time is when I heard the voice of God. Now, that did something for me. Sitting up on the podium, enemies all around me, and God told me, spoke to me, and told me to go. And didn't say it just once. He said it three times. And that third time is when it hit me. I was listening to the voice of God. And he did me just like he did Abraham. Where am I going to go, Lord? I don't know where I'm going. I'll show you. And we left. And God, we went through several other things, other lands, so to speak, until God brought us to the truth. The land flowing with milk and honey. That's what God did for us. So I can look at that, look at the story in the Old Testament and say that's what God did for us. And he brought us forth. This is what God does. Did we understand it all while we were going through it? No way. I'm not going to stand up and try to oh yeah, we, we knew what God was doing the whole time and we knew this and knew that. i tell you one thing, once God did show us where we were supposed to be, it was a marvelous witness that came to us. So my friend, my close friend, my good friend, Rick told me, Kenny, you're my best friend. <laughs> then I found out he told all the elders. <laughs> <laughs> At one time or another, He said, Kenny, you're my best friend. I said, thank you, Rick. You're my best friend. You know, back and forth. You're my best. Yeah, you're my best friend. Brian said, he told me that too, Kenny. (laughs) He said, he told me that too. (laughs) Dan, he told me that too. Gary, he told me that too, Keith. (laughs) All of them. But you know what? It was true. It was true. Good friend. But this friend helped me, pull me out of a pit, out of death and hell, miry clay. You go back and read it. I think it's the 40th chapter of Psalms. It says, David talks about being stuck in that miry clay, stuck in mud, you know, where he couldn't move. And he was in death and he was in hell. And somehow God reached down and pulled him up out of it. And he gave, he cried unto the Lord. He said, I patiently waited on the Lord. Well, man, it took patience for what we did, too. But he pulled us out. But then he gave me a witness. First time I meet a man when I go to Chicago, and he says, oh, there you are. (laughs) Oh, there you are. I'm looking at him. He said, I pulled you up out of the pit, death and hell. I didn't understand it then, but I sure understand it now. You know that's Jesus doing that, right? But was he doing it through the one that had the, the mind and the thought and the wherewithal to experience that in the vision? Yes. That's very powerful. I love it. So what is God doing now? Is he fulfilling his prophecy? Oh, most assuredly. Most assuredly. And he's going to fulfill it for me and my wife. We're going to work together in this. And so our angel has both sides of that in there the male and the female, and we're going to continue to work and do the will of God until God says otherwise, until we leave here, because that's what it's going to have to take. I'll keep doing what I have to do until I can't do it no more, and I believe God's going to bless us in that, I, but I don't want to do it alone. Remember when Rick told us? He said, I'm, I'm greedy. I want all of you. I want all of you in this journey with me, I want all of you to follow Christ. I want all of you. He says, I'm greedy. I don't want to lose anybody. Remember when he said that? That's all of us. He cared enough about us and loved us that he wanted all of us to follow in the will of God. Isn't that true, Patty? Yes. All of us to follow in the will of God. It's important that we do that. There are things that we've been told. Let's start believing them. Dan asked a question this morning. Did Rick ever tell any of you anything? People said, oh, no, it has to be something special. No? How many times did he preach for us and tell you this, this, and this was going to happen? Did you receive the gospel that he preached? Then he told you something. Isn't that good? And I'm going to say this one more time, too. We've all seen Jesus. People say, well, I haven't seen Jesus like these other people. No, you saw him. You saw him before you fell. We've all seen him. So now what we're waiting on is what? Getting the things that Jesus is trying to give us through grace so that we can see him again in remembrance and remember the face we saw at the beginning. You all saw him. So quit saying you haven't seen Jesus. You have. You saw them. Now he has to bring it to remembrance. He has to bring it to remembrance in you, Sessie. What did I tell you a long time ago? You're not the same as everybody else. Over there. You saw him. And he has to bring it forth. He's going to bring it to remembrance again. What you saw. Lord, I saw you before. Yes, you'll remember then. You'll remember how glorified it was. How powerful it was. And the light that shone, the glory that shone around him as you looked at him. As you conversed with him. You had conversations with Jesus, but something happened and we were separated. Iniquity has separated us, but now we're getting back, and guess what? We'll see him again. I mean, I haven't seen him like so and so. Yes, you have. You just don't remember it. Once you go into death, you don't remember, but what if you come to life? Will you remember? Once you're resurrected, will you remember? You'll remember you saw him. And he will appear the same way to you as he did before. This same Jesus that was taken up will come in like manner. You'll see him again. You will see. That's powerful. God's been doing some great stuff with us. And we believe it. We believe God is working in the spirit to try to draw us all into it. All I'm going to say is do not take steps back. Don't go into perdition. Go forward. That song that um, Claudette played this morning, I Don't Want to gain the Whole World and Lose My Soul, we were playing that at the other house we were living in. And Rick heard it, and he turned away and started walking away. And then he turned around and came back. And when he came back, tears were coming down his eyes so many tears I said Rick what, what touched you about the song he said it's true it's true he said everything that I've worked for everything God sent me here for all of it is so that souls will not be lost and the song hit him and he just started crying how many times have you seen Rick cry it just took him over man and so we play this every time we play it we remember Rick He heard that song and he said, that's what I am here for, so that the souls won't be lost. Powerful. What a witness from a song. That's very powerful. It was worthwhile much, him living with us and staying with us, him and Ann, every year that they did it. Things that we saw and we picked up and we believe. And guess what? Uh, we're not separated from him. At least I'm not. I can talk about my own testimony. I am not separated. I know my friend is there looking at me right now. He's already been received into the bosom of God. Isn't that cool? So do you think he's forgotten us? No way. Did you hear Dan's testimony this morning? He saw Jesus. He said three people have shown him that prophecy for him is true. He saw Jesus. He saw Juanita, Satterwhite. This is after she's dead now. And he saw Rick. Those are his three witnesses. That is powerful. Good stuff, guys. So is the leadership coming together? Do you think uh, there were some people that were worried about Rick being gone? Don't worry about it. God is strengthening us and bringing us into the spirit at such a marvelous way and a a marvelous time in prophecy, prophecy being fulfilled, that everything will continue as it was and then some. I have much confidence about how God's going to continue to lead us in everything that we do. And he's already showing it to us, already showing it to us. It's so powerful. Isn't that true, Ernest? It's powerful. So we, we just have to give all of ourselves to Jesus. Uh, I'm trying to remember how the scripture says, it. offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your what? He says that's just reasonable. Not anything extraordinary, just reasonable. Isn't that cool? Let's set our minds to make a choice to do better in all things. We have a better covenant, a better salvation, a better word, a better testament. We have all things are better for us because of Jesus Christ. Let's partake of that and let's walk in it like we believe it. Does that make sense?